0: I think he thinks they're going to resurrect the Nazi party. It turns out they want to throw a Nazi party. Just a party where they dress like Nazis. You know, I'm not saying it was a marketable script. Uh, hi. Hello. Huh. Yeah. Welcome to The Bitter's Pill. It's me, Dan Class, Recording in my garage. Live. Uh... Well, not live. You know, recording. Yeah, can you record? I guess you do. You rec- it's a oxymoronic thing to say, isn't it? Recording live. I mean, you got that right. I've been saying that for four years. You finally caught on that I'm being stupid when I say that. I'm recording uh, under the flypath path in my garage, Los Angeles International Airport, Bradley Terminal adjacent, uh, here in beautiful Westchester. California, Uh, you know it's it's Saturday night. It's uh, ten eighteen p.m. here in here in Los Angeles. How are you this evening? Are you even listening to this in the evening? No, it's it's a week later. You're on a bus. You're on your way to school. You're on your way to work. I don't know what you're doing. You're shopping. Are you shopping? Are you walking around a grocery store right now? Squeeze. Are you squeezing melons? I have no idea. It's really honestly, it's not my business. It's been a very strange week in that I've just been buried with, um, you know, life. You know, life can kind of bury you. It's been like that. So, uh, you know, not really much to say, I got to tell you. you and I've said that before and then rambled on for an hour, and you know what, I could probably do that again. You you know, you never know. You never know how it goes. Uh, I will tell you this, that I... Um... See, what happens is, we don't want to eat the same thing every night for dinner. Excuse me. And... I don't want to cook ever. But I do cook and I cook, you know, a couple nights and then I'll burn out and then we got to do something. And so we have, and I'm sure you're the same way. You got like five, four, two different places that you get takeout from. Well, we're trying, my wife and I anyway, are trying to wean ourselves off of pizza because, uh, you know, when you're our age, that's a recipe for fat ass. So, we're trying to get pizza out of the cycle, which puts Pollo Loco, Crazy Chicken, right? Even in a more prominent now position. Now, you know me, I go to Crazy Chicken. There's always a problem of some kind. So, the problem is, here's the thing. For as annoying as Crazy Chicken can be, I cannot think of something else to go and pick up. Now, there's a Thai food restaurant in the neighborhood. Too expensive. It just is. You, you know, it's too expensive to go there and pick up chicken satay for a, seven, a nine and a five-year-old. And then they decide that night that they are off of chicken satay. We end up dropping 45 bucks and they don't eat their dinners. Great. Next thing you know, my wife is scrambling cheesy eggs. So... Every once in a while, you know, Pollo Loco's got to, right, we, we got to go to Crazy Chicken. I don't even remember what night it was, maybe Tuesday or something. You know, everybody comes home, and uh, I'm going to go on my Crazy Chicken run. Now, I used to have problems at one, because there's two, there's really two or three in the major, in the, in the area. Definitely two in the area. Now, one is on La Tierra, and one is on Manchester. I used to go to Manchester, because I felt like that was a little closer. And I would go to Manchester until they started uh, really, uh, you know, effing up. F, up, F, up, F, up, F, up, F, up, up, And then they started denying me chicken. I would go over to Manchester, crazy chicken, and I'd say, how you doing? I want a couple of uh, breasts and I want a couple more breasts. I want about four breasts or five breasts and I'll pay the extra charge and give me some uh, tortillas and some coleslaw and let me go home and eat. And they would say crazy things like, um, oh, we don't, we don't have that many breasts. And then I would try to calmly explain to them that having the word pollo, which apparently is Spanish for chicken, in the name of the restaurant, crazy chicken, that they might want to keep on hand in case someone comes and orders it. Chicken. is it No, I didn't order hamburger, soup, ice cream, falafel, chicken. I ordered chicken. You really you can't hook me up with some chicken? at crazy chicken. That's why I went over I started to go over to La Tierra. Now La Tierra in that area where that crazy chicken is, it seems a little busier, it's a little more chaotic. It's near the Salvation Army or the Goodwill or whatever that is. It's just, there's big streets that are coming in. It's a whole thing. But I started going over to La Tierra because La Tierra would hook me up with some chicken. Some nice Mexican-style broiled, broiled flame-broiled, whatever they do. Chicken with lime. I I don't know what they do, but they give it to me. I hand them money and I drive away. It's, It's a beautiful relationship. But you know that I I drive away without the tortillas. They put the wrong tortillas in there. They don't put enough chicken in there. I got to park. I got to go back in and I got to tell them that I'm the guy and I just thing and I ordered the stuff and they didn't give, right? So on Tuesday, I went to La Tierra. And I ordered what I normally order. I say I would like a two-piece. With two breasts, because if you don't say breasts, they'll they'll say white. They'll assume dark meat, because I think that's cheaper. And they give you like a wing and a thigh, which is cheaper. And then if you say white meat, then they give you a breast and then the smallest piece of white meat they can find anywhere in the place. But if you say two breasts, they charge you a dollar twenty or whatever it is extra. But you got two breasts okay are you with me so far i like a two-piece with two breasts uh what were your, what would you like for side orders Oh no uh what kind of tortilla flour side orders two coleslaws two coleslaws yes i want two coleslaws that's what i want i want three extra breasts on top of the two so that's a total of five breasts you're gonna pay extra yes i know and some extra tortillas who we'll pay for those yes i know give them to me now i'll hand you my credit card thank you very much Well, this time, at La Tierra, they don't have breasts. We only have two breasts, sir. For any more breasts, it will be another 20 minutes. Now, listen. (laughs) When I was 16, I got my first job. When I was 16, I got my first job. I went down to the mall, Eastview Mall in Rochester, New York, Rochester, New York. I went down to Eastview Mall and I went into the Burger King. Now, why did I go into the Burger King? Because that's where I used to eat. I used to eat at the Burger King. There was a Burger King in the mall. This is before food courts. So back in the old days, at least, you know, at Eastview Mall, you'd just be walking along the mall and you'd pass Woolworths and Spencer's Gifts and then there'd be a burger place. Right there. They didn't clump them all together like they do now and make a big food court. So basically down, I think it was towards McCurdy's or whatever, there was a Burger King. And I went, so I went there and I applied for a job and I got a job. Now, therefore, and maybe this is why the whole crazy chicken thing irks the hell out of me. Listen, about the first thing they do, they give you the horrible smelling polyester uniform and a hairnet and a hat to wear. Kind of back in those days it was kind of this Tito Jackson polyester like red and orange thing, very hot. And um, they say, "Listen, we sell burgers, jackass. Okay, your job is to put the burgers in the burger burning thing. If we need more burgers, you get your ass back there. You get some frozen burgers, you put them on the conveyor belt. They come out on the other end and they're they're cooked." And then you put them in a bun and you put them in here. They put them in a steamer. I know, it's yucky, yucky. But basically, blah, blah, blah. And then the idea is, at certain times of day, this is going to sound crazy, food places get more busy. You know, like, uh, mealtimes. Just to generalize, mealtimes at a restaurant are actually typically busier than non-mealtimes. And so at the mealtimes at Burger King at Eastview Mall down the hall from McCurdy's right across from Camelot Music, what we would do is keep more burgers on hand than when it's not so quiet. When we're having a rush on food at a meal time, we would cook more food. And then we would cook less. Okay. So at 6.37 p.m. on a weeknight, when I show up in my stupid Passat wagon and all I want in the world is five breasts of chicken, you can't hook me up. You do have managers there, right? do Like there's actually a corporation, the crazy chicken corporation. Don't they have like a little rule, like a little video that you watch when you get your job there? Hi, and welcome to the Crazy Chicken Corporation. Our main goal is to satisfy our customers' chicken eating needs. And what that means is you got to have enough breasts on hand, jackass. Because if you don't, we can't sell them. You see? We make money as a corporation by selling people chicken. Breasts, wings, thighs, whatever. That's what we do. At least, see, as a, as, a, as a naive person, that's what I assumed that the corporate video was. Because that's, that was the corporate video when I worked at the Burger King across from Camelot Music down the hall from McCurdy's. We would watch video and they'd go, hey, listen, we sell burgers. Make sure there are enough burgers or we're going to fire you, okay? Could you make sure? Thank you. And I wonder if now the video says, Hi, welcome to Crazy Chicken. Listen, if some guy comes and he wants more than two breasts, shine them on. Okay? Because we don't want just some guy driving up here ordering five breasts. Okay? For whatever reason, we karmically have a problem with that. Now, if five people individually drive up and each order one breast, that's fine. Let them have it. But if one dude comes up and starts working the system where we charge a dollar twenty for a breast? If he starts trying to milk that for more than two, squeeze him. Deny. Is is that what's going on? Because e- so either you're you're trying to screw me, or your big huge corporate uh, thing is mismanaged. So I've about had it now with crazy chicken. So I literally go up there. They tell me that they can only give me two. Well, I, I can't go home with two. Two is. Worse than zero. Because zero is at least zero. But two is like, well, who's not going to eat dinner, Dan? You? See, two isn't even enough for me to get a burrito. For me. Okay? Well, I got no plan B. I got no plan B. So I go to Manchester. Manchester... Crazy chicken, where they've let me down and let me down and let me down. So, I have no expectations, honestly, as I drive up to the, you know, ordering thingy. And I say into the speaker microphone, Hi there. I'd like a two-piece with two breasts. And the guy says, well, that's going to be an extra $1. twenty. Is that cool? Yeah. Then the guy says, well, you know, actually it would be cheaper if you got a three-piece. Because the three-piece, they won't charge you extra for the, uh, the breast, and you'll, then you'll have three pieces. You'll have the two breasts, and then you'll have the other thing. What? What what did you just say? Yeah, if you get a three piece instead of a two piece with the extra breast, if you could just get a three piece, we'll give you two breasts and then like a wing or something, and that's cheaper. Now, as he's saying this, I'm trying not to focus on the fact that I've been ordering this same order for probably seven years. For probably seven years. Without exaggeration, I've been going to one of these two crazy chickens and ordering the same thing. And for seven years, no one has said to me, you know, dude, if you got a three-piece, it'd be Jim. So then this guy, this this drive through guy, stands there on the microphone with me and works out every Possible combination of breasts of chicken to figure out how I should order it. He asked me what I want to end up with. Well, I want to end up with five breasts. Well, let's see. You know what? I'll ring you up for a this and a that and half of that and da da, 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 da and it'll be ba ba ba. And it was literally, I think, four bucks less than I've been paying for seven years. But I was about to write Pollo Loco off. No more crazy chicken. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. I don't care how sexy and swarthy the guy is on the commercial with his biceps and his flaming uh, meat cleavers. If you can't deliver the breasts, I don't want to go. I'm ready to write you off because in general, I can't take it. And one man, one man. redeemed for me the entire crazy chicken experience i will go to manchester now i'd go i'll go to manchester if i especially if i know that guy's working hands and knees i'm going to manchester because you know what maybe that chicken not so crazy See, what really sucks is um, about halfway through that telling of that story, I, I started to think, Hey, um, Dan, did you ever start the recorder? Or uh, are you just talking into impermanence? Are you, are you, you know what I mean? Are you just talking into the microphone and looking into the camera and uh, four people are watching? But not, you're not actually succeeding in creating a show. Because, dude, you really need to put out a a podcast, you know, in the feed, do the thing, do your little hocus pocus. I mean, it's nice that, uh, you know, Jeff is watching, Zach, two people that are not chatting, maybe one of them is me, I don't even know. No offense, guys, no offense, Jack, Zach, Jack, Now, now the two of you are collectively known as Jack. Listen, Jack, no offense. But uh, I'm doing this for you, but I'm also doing. You, know, do you understand? I got to record this, and first, and so I'm I'm halfway through trying to trying to you know focus my uh, attention on Crazy Chicken, and all I can think of is I oh god, if this isn't recording, I'm not. I can't. I can't do it. I can't tell the story again. I can't do it. I can't do it. I've tried to do that before, and I cannot do it. I can't do it. It comes out once, and that's it. Then the passion's gone. I got to wait six months to get myself all torqued up again over Crazy Chicken. Oh, take a second and look. I just did. No, I just did. That's when I turned around. Did you notice that I, like, turned around? Hold on. Now I got to do it again because you said that. Yeah, Yeah, we're golden. We're golden, Jack. How couldn't they have had many breasts? Don't they have a few grills with chicken in the joint? At least there is in my local crazy chicken. Yeah, dude, in theory... In theory, they've got like this huge 10 or 15 foot wide grill that at any moment. And that's see that. And that's why, you, you know, and uh, you ever watch the Lethal Weapon movies? Maybe you're too young, Zach. In the Lethal Weapon movies, uh, I think it was number three. Number three. There we go. Uh, Joe Pesci was in it and he played this character and there was this scene where they go to the drive-thru and they get the wrong food and Joe Pesci says, you know what, they F you at the drive-thru. You never go to the drive-thru because they F you at the drive-thru every time. And and maybe that's what it is, is they just don't want to give up the, the food to me but they know I'm in my car and so I can't look over the counter and see that there's about 80 pounds of chicken breasts grilling away. I really, that could be part of it. Maybe it's just they're sick of me after seven years with my stupid order, the two-piece, with two breaths, and, and the coleslaw, and all that stuff. They've had it. Maybe they've just had it. Maybe they know that I'm the uh, Pollo Loco. I don't know. Really, the bad thing about it, about any of that kind of stuff, is you get to a certain point in your life, I think, and honestly, driving through the drive through at, at, at least here in town, and any kind of fast or quick food place that has a drive-through is always so much safer because you cannot see the kitchen, or the kitchen area, you can't see the servers. Because what happened was one time they didn't give me the right thing and I had to go in. I had to go in and rectify the situation and I went in and I can see over the counter the coleslaw kind of dripping and oozing out of the steel container and how they serve there's always been something for me disconcerting about serving mashed potatoes with an ice cream scoop. That that just seems wrong. I, I know I know the ice cream scoop is probably a dedicated potato scoop, but there's just something about ice. It's not ice cream. Okay? It's not ice cream. It's potatoes. Can you just use some kind of spoon? Some kind of Thanksgiving quality spoon, not an ice cream scoop. It's just disgusting. And there's rice every. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see the kitchen. You just don't. Because if you knew what was going on back there, oh, man, I, I just, you know what? I would fast all day long. All the stinky day long. I got, you know, Facebook is a dangerous thing. Because, um, you know, you get on Facebook, and then what, what happens is, you know what Facebook is, right? Social... Networking, so you can connect with people. And really, you know, I'm a little cynical about the whole Facebook uh, thing. I'm cynical about Facebook, MySpace. No, 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 no. I take that back. Let's slow down. I'm cynical about Facebook. I'm sick of MySpace. Because at least on Facebook, actual human beings are actually connecting to actual me. They know me, and they connect. They send a little thing like, "Let are we friends? Let's be friends on Facebook. Click, and you click, and you're done. And, you know, old acquaintances, in my case, people that listen to this garbage, you know, will send me a little thing on Facebook, and then uh, we do our thing. MySpace used to be that way a year or two ago. Now it is nothing but fake women, artificial, like, supposed p- females. Not only women who act fake. I mean... Imaginary characters that some spammer has created want to befriend me, and I and then I say, Well, okay, just in case this is actually a real chick, maybe I'll do it again and get fooled again. And it's some, you know, it's a webcam thing. And they're spamming my comments, spam and spam and spam and why can't Tom take care of that, Tom? You know, Tom, if you're everybody's best friend, number one friend on MySpace, take care of the spam girls. Or we're gone, baby. Or get Rupert Murdoch to do it. I don't care, but get rid of the spam cam girls. Enough. Enough, Tom. You got me? Because you're going down, baby. Facebook really kind of stinks. It's kind of hard to navigate, but you know what? There's no spam cam. They've got the spam cam thing covered. Now, listen, every time I turn around, somebody's trying to poke me, compare movies with me. That's got to stop. That's worse than actually. You know what? Now that I think about it, that's worse than the spam cam. Every time I turn around, somebody wants to poke me or super poke me, right on my wall, make me take a quiz to find out which Disney princess I most like. Can you just shove it? Can you just befriend me and send me a mail? And that's it. And in fact, while you're at it, don't write on my wall. Don't send me messages through Facebook. My email address is dkdanclass.com. Send me an email. Is that so complicated? Instead of going through Facebook, why can't we all just get it together and get our own web pages, and leave these middlemen out of it who are going to just advertise to us and get spam and all that stuff? Can you just get, seriously, just register your own domain and get, put a page up there? It takes 20 minutes. Seriously, you want to send me a message, either DK or Pill at danclass.com. It's going to come to me and I'll write you back. Well, not really. You know, of course I won't, but I will read it. I'll read it and I'll go, you know, thank God that this person at least didn't make me go check out Facebook because I've had it. And if you already have my email address, why are you sending me stuff on Facebook? Why is that? How could that possibly be more convenient for you? You've got my email address. It's right there. It's in your thing. All you got to do is start. You, you basically write me a message. You start typing my name and it goes right into the field, the to field, and then you send it. Why, why are you involving Facebook? Seriously, why? why 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 just why just tell just come clean man why just write just write it to me i'll write you back let's we don't need avatars and uh you know ads right send me just right just okay But I guess it is good for people that can't... For You know, you can put a gun to their head and they couldn't figure out how to register a domain. I, I get it. Okay, I get it. But what happens is then people go on Facebook and then they search for your name and they find you and they write you emails and like, hi, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in uh, 25 years. What's up? Uh, which is actually a great thing because you do actually connect with people that you haven't spoken to in a long time. It's actually been fantastic. Thank you, Facebook. Because I'm so hard... You know, to get a hold of. I'm so hard. Boy, if you've got an internet connection, you can never find me. But I get a message from my old friend Frogboy. Now Frogboy and I used to work uh, together at Universal Studios in the not not the theme park part, but the actual studio. And we worked together in various differing capacities in TV production. And how and why, what the events were that led to our friendship, or frankly the friendship of uh, many of us, it was just proximity, I, I, I guess. Uh, but his code name was Frog Boy. I was Q-Ball, and this was even before I actually lost as much hair as I have lost now. I was Q-Ball, uh, and he was Frog Boy in the uh, comic book series that we created while we were bored out of our skulls. And uh, one day we actually got it in our heads that uh, we wanted to be a radio team, and we would go and sit in his basement apartment at his sister's house. And, and you know, this is, you know, 10 years before the birth of podcasting. Thank God. But, we, yeah, we would sit, you know, much like I am right now. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just fancier equipment, but dude, it's all the same. We would sit in his basement apartment going, hey, hey, let's try to do a radio show. Oh, God. And then we'd go eat Chinese food. But, um, yeah, we, we, Frog Boy and I, um, we wrote this script. Now, that it's kind of a prerequisite. If you're going to come and live in Los Angeles from elsewhere, at some point or another, you're going to write a movie script. Now, the scr- it's not going to get produced. And actually, chances are you're not even going to finish it, but you will at the very least come up with some zany idea and begin writing, either alone or with some jackass you met since you moved here, a movie script. Now, how we came up with the idea for this movie uh, I don't know. I, I really don't. It's it, you have to understand. Take my sense of humor, and then Frog Boys kind of was kind of uh, David Letterman. If David Letterman were uh, really warped, so here's the idea. Here's the idea for the movie. Let me think about this for a second, so I remember. Okay, because I haven't read this in 15 years. Essentially, a an overly enthusiastic postal inspector discovers a band of nazis now not neo nazis kind of pseudo nazis uh in a small coastal town and uh he believes they must be stopped now honestly what they were going to do i have no idea i i think he thinks they're going to resurrect the nazi party it turns out they want to throw a nazi party just a party where they dress like nazis you know i'm not saying it was a marketable script but if you can imagine, the lead character, the postal inspector, his name is Brad Targa. So imagine Sonny Crockett from Miami Vice, you know, but a postal inspector. I, I know. It Trust me, it was a comedy. It was a comedy a la, you know, whatever. Epic movie, let's say. Because... You know, this was back, you know, to bring up Lethal Weapon again. It was kind of like a Lethal Weapon spoofy kind of thing, you know? All those cop movies where the captain yells at the guys for 20 minutes. And then they go off and do whatever they want and shoot things. and The bad guys are always these European-looking dudes. You know, like Lethal Weapon. So we thought, hey, we'll just make them Nazis. It'll be funny. We'll really, whatever. Of course, while we're writing the movie... You know, National Lampoon comes out with a parody, a, just a, an all-out parody of the Lethal Weapon movies, starring Emilio Estevez and Samuel Jackson. But we shake that off, and we're we're, we're undaunted by that. And then somebody has the idea because we're trying to cast the thing. And basically, what we want to do is we want to shoot it for no money. We wanted to produce it too, and we're going to try to find a director. And we even gave the script to. A couple of directors that we knew TV guys and um I was gonna play the uh, the lead Nazi uh, who wasn't really a Nazi he was just this kind of idiot that lived at home but his his idea of rebelling you know he was kind of a loser late 20s his idea of rebelling is because this was before Goth and uh, you know emo and all that stuff really got big he was going to be a Nazi but in a full uniform not a shaved head you know Nazi like a Schindler's list Nazi I know it's tasteless. I know. I'm not saying it was a good idea. Well, we wanted our friend Ed, who we worked with, to play Brad Targa, completely ignoring the fact that Ed had never acted before in his life. But Ed was kind of this Sonny Crockett type dude. You know, kind of a Sonny Crockett meets uh, Martin Riggs. Dude. We wanted him to do it. So we're in, we're in Ed's office. We're trying to convince him he should play Brad Targa, the maniac postal inspector who, you know, is going to bring down these crazy uh, kids that are dressed as Nazis or wh- whatever they are. And we have a whole chase scene worked out where Target's standing on the hood of a car going about 70 miles an hour, lecturing, the, you know what I mean? And somebody in the office says, hey, you know who would be great for this? There's this guy, you know, this is when Living Color was on. This is a long time ago. There's this guy on In Living Color that you should try to get this script to. He's very funny, and we're like, well, we always picture Target as kind of like a you know Mel Gibson type of guy, you know, kind of a white guy. You know what I mean? In Living Color, right? We really think he should be a white. No offense to uh, black guys, we should kind of think he should be a white guy. I'm like, no, 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 no. You should get it to the white. There's this white guy. On In Living Color. Now, I, I didn't watch In Living Color. I almost got a job on In Living Color as a production assistant. I, I was working at The Gap. It was between gigs. And somehow I got an, uh, an interview to be a production production assistant at In Living Color. It was before it was even on the air. And I got the uh, uh, the interview because they knew that I was doing some stand-up. And, now listen, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know what I was thinking. And I, maybe I didn't realize it was going to be kind of a predominantly African-American show. And I don't know. I, I just don't know what I was thinking. I wore like a sport jacket with a sw- like a cardigan underneath, and a collared shirt, and my my like completely. I mean, I my like receding hair was a little long in the back. I looked like honestly, I looked like Fraser Crane. So if you can imagine Dr. Fraser Crane auditioning, or I keep saying auditioning, interviewing for a job as like a gopher on in living color. I did not get the job. Okay? Yeah, you should get the white guy from... Okay, well, it turns out to be Jim Carrey. So that's our big plan, is to get Jim Carrey uh, the script. Until we realize that apparently Jim Carrey is already working on a movie, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, that in some weird sort of character ways is so similar to our Brad Targa that we don't know whether we're on the right track or we're on the right track two years too late. Because this, you know, pet detective, postal inspector, they're not the same, but it's basically you take a guy with an insignificant job and make him huge. And it's a... Pay- uh, uh, okay, well, we keep kind of marching on. So Frog Boy's, you know, brother-in-law breaks down the script. And that's where you go through the script and you you make lists of all the locations, all the props, all the this, all the that. How many scenes you got to shoot in each location. and You, you schedule it, and you store you know, the whole thing. Now, somewhere in here, Frog Boy gets a new roommate. And he moves into this really nice pad... In North Hollywood with a chick. I forget where he meets this chick. This chick's name is Terry something. Now Terry something wants to be an actress, model. She wants to be a player in Hollywood. And she knows that uh you know t- uh, Frog Boy and I have this comedy script, and then he and I are working on this other script about this cult. It's a true story. We actually should have wrote that one because it actually would have been a great movie. About this real cult that really happened up in Michigan somewhere. So I would go over there and we would work on our Michigan uh, cult script. And she would start to grill us about the Brad Targa script. Now, what she wanted to do is help uh, Frog Boy produce it. So, so fairly soon, uh, the script is no longer mine. And Frog Boys. It seems to be Terry What's-Her-Names. And Frog Boys. And I'll get some money for it maybe someday. <laughs> we'll see. And somehow, though, I gotta say, Terry What's-Her-Name ends up getting like a, a unit production manager slash producer to commit to working on it. He's going on location scouts. Like they're getting things moving. At least so I think. But Frog Boy is probably in love at this point with Terry What's-Her-Face. Terry What's-Her-Face, no offense, Frog Boy, way out of his league. Or at least in her mind, way out of his league. See, I'm thinking Terry something may have been out of her mind. I think Terry What's-Her-Name was maybe uh, throwing her behind around town to get things done. I don't know. When I was talking to Frog Boy the other day, he he uh, seemed to indicate that uh, maybe that was the case. Maybe he walked in on that being the case. That's that you know you know that's not my story to tell. So Frog Boy calls me one day and says, "Hey Dan, you know Terry, what's her name?" And I were talking, and she really wants to get into the Writers Guild. So um, what do you th- think about uh we put her name on as a writer, so she can get in the Writers what? what 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 did, what did you just say because it's so it's the guy it was the weirdest thing uh, wow really I th- could have sworn you just said that we should um, put her name as a writer on our script so she can get into the writers guild uh no 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 and no Well, I thought I was going to be in a movie. A stupid, stupid movie. A kind of funny movie. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be wearing a Nazi uniform, but I wouldn't be a real Nazi. And I wrote it. It's my own fault. But Cherry, what's her name, and Frogboy, for better or for worse, did seem to be pushing some sort of ball up some sort of hill. I ended up going to a party at, the, at their next pad a house in Hollywood and I think we were celebrating something about the movie the movie that I wrote that that Frog Boy and I wrote in the office in Universal and then it was gone gone Harry, what's-her-name, was gone. The unit production manager, producer, location guy who had the director who was going to do it, and this guy, gone. Frog Boy. Gone. Up in smoke. And I don't mean gone like gone off without me to make the movie. Gone. Just It was over. It was over so fast. I, I was not never even sure if it ever started. I mean, to this day, I got to tell you, I'm not. I'm not even sure any of that was real. I, that that could have all been a big uh, ruse, some sort of practical joke that was played on me. La, well, let's get a couple guys together. Listen, we'll get a couple guys together. We'll put some photographs in a folder. We'll call those location shots. We'll get an older guy to act like the unit production manager. We'll get a young guy to act like the director. And uh, we'll have some champagne over at uh, Frog Boy and Terry's. Gone. Over. I was so happy. I was so happy. I was so happy that my script was never going to be made into a movie. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, not that way. And not that script. So much time had gone by. I was a different person. I wasn't the kind of guy that would write a stupid movie about a postal inspector chasing around a bunch of kids dressed as Nazi driving around in their dad's Mercedes. No, no. Postmarked for death. would never hit the screen. What a relief. This has been The Bitterest Pill. My name is Dan Class. Uh, you know the drill. If you want to give me a call, it's uh, 206... I don't know the number. Look on look on thebitterestpill.com. I don't remember the number. I think it's 206 309 130 I think that's what it is. Okay? Thebitterestpill.com, uh, or write me a pill at danklass.com. The reason I say that is because if you write pill at danklass.com, it goes into a special folder in my email thing, and then I'll read it faster. It doesn't get buried in with all the Viagra spam, basically. Viagra spam and requests for me to help someone smuggle uh, $30 million out of Tunisia. What can I tell you? I'm, uh, I, I'm such a, an upstanding guy. I'm constantly being asked to help people uh, uh, smuggle money out of uh, Africa. It's, uh, it's a crazy thing. All right, my friend. Until next time, I say to you, adios. The Bitterest Pill is produced by Jacket Media, jacketmedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.